The Chris Sheeran Show, only on YesNetwork.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the latest and greatest edition of The Chris Sheeran Show. It's The Chris Sheeran. It's the Lou DiPietro. And we have one of our favorite guys on the line with us right now as the show starts. Quasi third member of our team yeah, when it comes pretty to much. basketball coverage. Pretty much. And that is Devin Carparadine of TheBrooklynGame.com. Uh, Devin, I just want to jump right in with you. Two of the latest things uh, that you guys posted over there, uh, keep trade walk, which the first thing that came to my mind was the, you know, marry, kill, and you know what. No, yes, goodbye. Was <laughs> yeah. the first thing that came yeah. to my mind. <laughs> and uh, how valuable is Brooke Lopez? And I want to kind of meld those two together because just recently I saw Howard Beck um, – he mentioned that Mikhail Prokhorov said that uh, Thad and Brooke are untouchable as the trade deadline comes down. He wants them both on the team. But, you know, having said that, I don't know if that's a business move, if that's, you know, to maybe squeeze <laughs> a little bit more if he tries to deal them. I don't know. Uh, but I really think that Brooke Lopez has a ton of value right now. And I agree with you and what you said in that keep trade walk on Brooke. Um, you know, I think it's just time to end the Brook Lopez era, and you know he's done a great job. But I think you have to strike while the iron is hot and see what you can get for him right now. Yeah, I think so. The thing about Brook is that he's in a weird place where he's not valued very highly right now because the team around him is so bad. And the idea is that you know you can't build a winning team with Brook Lopez as a piece. And and I don't agree with that. I think you can have a like a, a very good basketball team. You just have to surround him with guys who aren't replacement-level players, which is what they have right now. Um, and, and because of that, I think the sense is, and, and I've, you know, I've, I mentioned the piece, I've talked to people kind of throughout the league about this, about you know, what Brooke Lopez's value on the market is, and the idea is, look, if you can get a couple of decent first-round picks, you make that deal immediately, you stock your treasure chest, and you move forward. Um, my only contention with that is that you have to kind of think about the value of picks. Like if you're getting two, you know, picks in the mid twenties, I don't think you're, there's a good chance that neither one of those is going to be as valuable as Brooke. I think you have to kind of rem- like take a step back and make, re- make people remember that Brooke Lopez is a, is a heck of a basketball player. I mean, and he can fit in a lot of different offenses and, and score in really, really difficult looks. Uh, the fact that he's on a team like this right now isn't necessarily good for his value, but it's also, you got to step back for a second. Remember, like you know, this was the number one player on a nearly fifty-win team a couple years back, and he's just as good then as he was now. He's just surrounded with nobody. This was, you know, last night we were both there and we talked about this. And last night he had twenty points, which is the I think twenty-ninth or thirtieth time this year out of fifty-four he's topped that number. He's by far and away been the best player on this team. But as you said, you know, and as really even Lionel Hollins has said at points, the rest of the talent is just not there. Do you yeah, do you look as you say? Do you look forward now to say, okay, you know what? Maybe let's just see what we get for Brooke, or do you look forward and say, you know what? Let him do what he does, and we'll worry about it this summer, and we'll figure it out. Yeah, I say that's the other thing. I was going to say you have time, right? There's no. I mean, you don't even have a general manager right now. You you have no impetus to trade him in the next week unless you get a good offer. Um, and I think the best thing for them to do is to keep letting him be as good as he is. Um, try to restock in other ways, and then if the summer comes. And, you know, say there's a team out there, and I'm not saying that this team exists right now, but there's a team out there with, you know, an, a pick in the 8 to 12 range and an expiring contract next year. You know, you, you look at that and you kind of figure out your deals. But, you know, this idea that, like, you know, some team is going to come along and give them, 
you know, two bad first-rounders and expiring contract, and they should pick that up right away. I think that's not the way to go about it. I think you have to do your due diligence, try to figure out what the value of these picks you can get is, what expiring contracts are available, and then you kind of go from there. And if nothing happens in the next week, you let them play out the rest of the year. You let them put up 20 points on everybody and see where you are in the summer. Devin, what about Thaddeus Young? Because there were some rumors swirling that Toronto uh, was looking into him, as they were with other players. But what do you think about him being moved before the deadline, even though Prokhorov said it's not happening? You, you know, Toronto's intriguing because they have a very – they have one of the best teams in the East right now. I think they're 35-16 and 16 or something like that. They're only a couple games back from the Cavs. And a guy like Thaddeus Young could be – the guy that puts them over. Now, the thing is that they have a couple of draft picks of their own that are pretty valuable. They have that Denver-New York swap. And if they are in a position where, you know, they don't want to they want to prove to DeMar DeRozan that he should stay beyond this year, they don't want to waste Kyle Lowry in his best years, they've got a really good young team, and they're kind of in that position where maybe this is when they make that leap and they, tr- they cash in on a very good pick to get a guy like Thaddeus Young. I don't think they necessarily do it for that pick, and I think that's where that deal will stall. Um, but he's obviously he's even more he's more movable than Brooke because his contract is so friendly. I mean, he's going to be in his prime for you know three years or so. He's going to be making a very paltry amount compared to what the cap is going to spike to. You know, he's a very intriguing candidate for a lot of teams who need you know a swing four kind of guy who can score inside, who can rebound, and kind of fill in all those gaps. It's interesting that you mentioned the contract duration because that that was going to be my my next question about the trade deadline and and the Nets as it relates to that. In normal NBA years, for lack of a better adjective, normal, expiring contracts are the gold standard of what you can acquire other than draft picks. It's clearing cap space for some teams. It's, It's... you know, getting giving up a good player to clear cap space by getting back whatever you can that's expiring, this and that. In normal years, again, for lack of a better way to put it, contracts like Thad's and especially Brooks with the price he's being paid are sort of very rare, if ever, traded. But with the cap going up next year and, and everything changing in the NBA, it almost kind of flips around, does it not, that those guys might be well worth the shot of taking because you can absorb their contract just based on, well, that's what the salary cap is going up next year. So as long as you can make the financials work, those are the kind of guys you might look to acquire as opposed to Joe Johnson this year. Yeah, totally. And then you look at Brooke, his contract, he has some stipulations contract, Chris Mannix reported this a couple weeks ago, that if he gets hurt, his contract, I think, cuts in half in a year and then 75% the year after. So the risk in there is not that he's, you know, he could get hurt. The risk is that you just assume he's going to still be good, which he has the kind of game that you expect to age pretty well. Uh, you know, so, and so, with with Thaddeus, because he's on that deal, and even though it's a longer term contract, like you said, like it's such a, it, it's a great deal for a team that needs a piece like Thaddeus Young, and most teams could use a piece like Thaddeus Young, and that's why I think his name will almost come up more than Brooks because Brook is a little more expensive. You're kind of putting a significant chunk towards building around a guy like that. Thaddeus is a guy who his role is to fit around other guys, and he has a contract that also matches that. So I think that's that's why it makes more sense for him to get moved. Than Brooke because Brooke you have to match an expiring contract potentially you have to match salary up to about twenty million the Nets are going to want to get picks back so there's so many obstacles in the way there Thaddeus I think is a little easier to fit with some other guys that's the thing about Joe Johnson too is that he may be an expiring contract and may still have the skills that a team is looking for off the bench but he's making twenty five million dollars this year so even two thirds of that gone it's going it's going to be tough for a lot of teams to match up eight million dollars or somewhere within the one twenty five percent plus a hundred thousand rule to, to acquire him. 
Yeah, and exactly, and that's why it made more sense last year that you know there was some talk about you know Charlotte putting together a couple of small pieces to fit him, but because Brooke is kind of, I mean, sorry, because Joe is kind of taking a step back this year, and he has that huge deal, it, it doesn't seem likely. I mean, if any, I'm sure they'll talk about a buyout. I don't know if it's going to happen. I wouldn't say it's likely, uh, but I don't see him getting traded. A couple of quickies for me, Devin, and you know it goes to what Jim Spinarkle and I talked about on the post game show last night. You know, you try to look. When you have a 14-win team, you have to try to look at some of the positives uh, that you're noticing during games. And, you know, Chris McCullough has shown some flashes where he looks like he could be a piece for the future. Uh, Markel Brown, I don't know if I'm going to buy it um, just yet. I know he put together his third double-digit point effort uh, in a row uh, but I want to see more from him. I just want to get your thoughts. You're there at the arena. What do you think about Brown and McCullough in this second half? And when Rondé comes back, too, throw him into the mix as well. Yeah, well, this kind of goes back to what you guys were saying on the last podcast, which was you know that you kind of worry about the inconsistency with this team. And I think the inconsistency is kind of like it's not – it's not so much an inconsistency of not giving the effort. It's not knowing what the effort is supposed to be on any given night. Like, is Mark Hell supposed to be your spot-up shooter, or is he supposed to lock somebody down defensively? Does he know what role he's supposed right. to play? Right, so the roles are, guys like Shane yeah. Larkin, mm-hmm. Donald Sloan. You know, these, these roles are so transient, and these guys are not, you know, consistent enough as players to really fill in a role every single night. So I think with Mark Hell, you're seeing a lot of that where, you know, he, he gets hot sometimes. He gets a couple of shots, and then, he makes a couple of bad defensive plays. And then you look at Markel, you know, he has put together a couple of really nice games, but he has to be able to do that over the course of well, 20, the, 20, 30 games. Right. The Nuggets game, he had a career-high 19 points, and towards the end of the game, he committed a turnover that almost cost the Nets the game. Exactly. He had to get bailed out by Joe G. Right. But, by the way, if Joe gets bailed out this uh, trade deadline, how fitting is it that he ends his, his career with the Nets with a game winner and then a zero point effort? Like how perfect! How perfect is that? Well, and it was the first first time in, in 937 yeah. games. I mean, that's yeah. if you just go by 82s, that's 11 seasons and 37 or 35 games with a field goal. That's 11 and a half straight seasons with a field yeah, goal. I mean, uh, it's about it's almost as long as Chris Sheeran's tenure with the Yes Men. <laughs> Fourteen freaking years in the blink uh, of an eye. Uh, but but getting back to your original I was twenty eight when I started here. I was in my twenties for crying out loud, and I'm now not I'm an old man. How old I was when I when you were started? Just uh, to make boy, I, seven? <laughs> were you seven? Uh, seven, Devin Carpenter. Seventh grade. Okay, gotcha. Um. But, but, but to, to talk about the bench a little bit, um, I, I think, you know, in the second half of the year, you might not see wins. It depends on what they do at the trade deadline. Um, everyone's excited for Ronda to get back. I think that's the number one priority for this team is to make sure he gets back healthy because the, the, his defense, I mean, it's sorely missed. <laughs> it's sorely missed. Yeah. I mean, whether he's playing with starters or with the bench, like, he, he's the kind of defender that almost makes Brook look good on the defensive end because he can kind of, when guys get into the lane, he's able to stay in front and then Brook can stay with big men. Like, it's just these little things that he does already so well for a guy his age. Uh, you know, and McCullough hit a three last night, so anything is possible. See, this is, this is what gets under my skin, too. It's the fact that the trade deadline is coming up. They, they can, they have an opportunity here with the two pieces that they just brought back to maybe try to continue to start over again. And if you do trade Brooke and or Thad, you know, then you get to see the kids even more. This is a 14-win team, but they still don't have a general manager. And from talking to fans on Twitter, I mean, this drives them crazy, Devin. 
Yeah. I mean, again, the thing with Brooke is, like, if you can get the pieces that he's worth, you have to make that deal. Right. You can't just give them up. No, you can't just give them away. I I agree with that. Right. Yeah, you know, you, you, there, there's there's this sense. I feel like, but you like need a, a GM in place. Like, you know, to try. Other side of this, you know what I mean? You know yeah. that Brook Lopez is probably going to be on the block again at some point. You know that there's a future that's beyond Brook Lopez, but you can't rush it, or you're going to make the same mistakes that the Nets have made throughout their tenure in Brooklyn, which is making short-sighted moves because it appeases the the, the itch to get something done. Let me let me go back to the bench for a second because you know we talk about you'll see the kids more if people get traded in this and that and and th- this may be the most maddening thing about the inconsistency for many people and it's certainly something I've seen over the last couple weeks and, and I'll give a couple of examples the team as a whole you know the first Dallas game in, at Barclays Center they they go to overtime they lose by one it's a close game this that the other then they go to Dallas and get clobbered it, it, it's like you know well where was that team that almost beat this same team and then the same with coming into this week you know they beat. Sacramento, they beat Denver on a you know on the on the second night of a back to back for Denver, but with the buzzer beater, and then they come out and play twelve minutes against you know Memphis and then lay an egg. And, and here's where it is: we we saw this last night. The starting lineup played minus what forty five to fifty seconds of Boyan Bogdanovich the entire first quarter. Mm-hmm. They're up twenty seven twenty two. The bench comes out to start the second. Memphis goes on a thirteen two run. They lead by five at halftime and goodbye. Yeah, and, that's and the bench didn't. And that's yeah. kind of the maddening thing about like because the, the starters have actually been not bad since Derek, Derek Jack went down. Like when you have that starting core of Joe Thaddeus, Brook, and Donald Sloan, they're playing most teams about even. You know, they're they're or they're taking the first quarter lead, and then the bench comes in, and if they're not getting scoring from anybody, because there have been two games this year where the bench hasn't scored until once, I think last night it was late in the third quarter. Four minutes and, and six seconds left. Time where they didn't score until the fourth quarter. Like, you yep. have no idea where that you're That was the two-point two effort against the Mavs, yeah. Yeah, Bargnani. Yep. Yeah. And last night, it was, last night it was 4.06 left in the third. Bogdanovich hit two free throws, and that was the bench's first points. And Johnson didn't score at all. So yep. up until that point, the entire bench plus one of their starters had zero points in... Uh, I can't do math. 56 minutes of game time? Well, 32 minutes of game it, time? It, something it like goes that? back to one word that Joe Johnson brought up in the postgame show. And, Lou, it's the word that you and I said when you know we were talking about it before we called Devin here. Consistency. And, mm-hmm. and you know, I, I had Donnie Marshall on the postgame show. And Donnie, Donnie doesn't pull any punches. I mean, Donnie just says, you know, tells it like it is. And as a fan, that's what I want to hear. And he basically said... They, they don't have the talent. I mean, the the consistency can be there, but the talent is not. I, I just I don't see it on this team. I mean, every night on, on a nightly basis that I'm here doing the pre and post game show, you, you know, even if they have 14 wins, you're thinking, all right, tonight is the night. They're going to get a 48-minute performance, and they're going to go uh, buzzer to buzzer and just get something done. And it just doesn't happen, and I think that's why. I think Donnie hit the nail on the head, and I don't think he's breaking any news either. Yeah, I mean, you see glimpses with these guys. I mean, glimpses, see, like, right? Like, like Shane Larkin has some really great. Glimpses. Wayne Ellington had a couple. Wayne Ellington hit shots, but then you have these long stretches where nobody knows they're supposed to be on defense, and they throw right. like silly, like, careless turnovers. There like, were a couple last night where they just basically they, one was thrown between Chris McCullough's legs, another they just bounced right out of bounds. Like you have these issues where it seems like nobody seems to know where they're supposed to be or what they're supposed to do, and it just results in easy points for the other team or careless turnovers. And Devin, there like, was. 
there, there was a glaring example of that, and it was Joe Johnson, of all people. I forget what game it was, but I was here doing it, and, and there was a three-point shooter all alone in the corner, and Joe was at the elbow and just kind of half-hearted took a couple of jog steps towards him and then just started running the other way. And I was mm-hmm. like, wow. Yeah, and that's wow. where they are. And it's also because you have to remember we're – we're dealing with an interim head coach who doesn't really they're not really instilling a philosophy right now they're just kind of trying to develop guys and play them out until next year now if they get a good coach in the offseason who can start instilling a better system and if they get a guy like i don't know like tom Thibodeau or something who kind of teaches you exactly where to be at every point at every second of every possession defensively maybe you see something different but they don't have that right now and they don't really have they don't have guys who have defensive instincts either outside of ronde who's hurt you have all these issues already, and they're just compiling. Yeah, and I, I saw your tweet, uh, Devin, about Tony Brown not being on the list for the unveiling of the new <laughs> training center. I mean, do you read anything? It, I mean, I know it was kind of jokingly that you said it, but do you read in? You read into anything with that? I mean, I don't think they're going to have a new coach in the next. Well, week. they need a GM That's first, but, right? Yeah, exactly. But but I think it's more somebody somebody tweeted at me something funny. That it was something like. Um, you know how, like, when your cousin brings his new girlfriend to the wedding and you keep her out of all the family photos? Like, that's kind of what they do. Like, you know, like, like, I mean, look, Tony Brown makes the deal. We know the deal. He's an interim head coach. There's almost no chance he's going to be back as a head coach next year. So you kind of get it. Yeah. He's, a replacement, he's your replacement date for the wedding because you broke up with your girlfriend three weeks before it and you already RSVP'd plus one. Do you want me to be in the picture? No. No, that's See, good. here's the thing, too, is, like, you know, you can, you can look at numbers and this and that, and it's funny, you know, obviously we know that the Nets give out a post-game no cheat after every game, and there's quotes and that's – First of all, let me just point out, Brooke Lopez is 14 points behind Richard Jefferson for third place yes, on the Nets all-time all time. list. Considering wow. that he's played in the NBA for, what, seven and a half seasons mm-hmm. and missed three of them? Yeah. That's, that's pretty, pretty impressive. impressive. But, mm-hmm. you know, you owe he, me a beer. Sorry. Here's soda. The, a soda. A soda. Here, here's, the three, here's the three player notables that were in the, in the postgame notes, and they're interesting in three different ways. Number one, Wayne Ellington totaled 18 points on four or five shooting from three-point range in 25 minutes tonight. His second highest scoring output of the season, behind a season high twenty six in Miami, he had eleven points in the first quarter, fifteen in the first half, and didn't do anything in the second half. Yeah, so, and, so and great. Brooke was kind of the same way too. Yeah. I mean, Brooke had to get eighteen in the first half and finish with twenty. So, yeah, I mean, there's great. another situation where it's just guys can't keep it going throughout the entire game. And and the Grizzlies with Gasol, with Gasol, were holding teams to just under thirty seven points in the paint. And I think the Nets finished with 32, Lou, if I'm correct. Uh, let's see if and it's on here. Yeah, 32. 16 32 to 31 shooting. Without and that's where they the make salt. their bread and butter. Yeah. That's where they score. On 50% shooting. On they 50, had 32%. Yeah. So they didn't even take that many shots. No, they didn't take that many shots. That. And, the, and the Grizzlies kept them under this, their best season average without <laughs> the freaking big guy. I know. So, so number two is, is Markel Brown scored 10 points in 24 minutes. His third consecutive double-figure game. He didn't play until the fourth quarter. I mean, he, he had like 10 minutes it in the was, first three quarters was, of the game. It was garbage time. Yeah. Yeah, and then the same was. goes to, to Boyan Bogdanovich. 11 points on three or four shooting from three-point range, and it goes on to mention how he shot 52% over the last 10 games and this and that. Uh, same thing. His two free throws with four minutes left in the third quarter were the bench's first points, not just his. So he hit all three. I mean, that entire stat line came in garbage time in the fourth quarter when they were down 25 yeah, they hit a lot of threes in the end of that game that made it look a lot closer than it was. They shot they 50% from three, yeah. Yeah, it was, it, 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 
it really it was weird how like quickly that happened. They were down, I think it was a twenty six or twenty eight, and then just hit a barrage of threes. Still gave up enough points that it still looked bad, but it was way worse than even the final score. Absolutely, yeah. they were Absolutely. down twenty. They were down twenty six going into that fourth, and they they yeah. won the fourth quarter. So they would have got a they would have got a point in the summer league for that, but yeah. nothing now. Uh, Devin. But, but when, and when your player highlights are Wayne Ellington, uh, Markel Brown, and Boyan Bogdanovich, that gives you a sense of what your talent level. At the All Star I mean, break, correct, <laughs> correct. Yeah. So let me let me uh, flip the scripts, switch gears a little bit here, Devin. Uh, talk about the uh, the rest of the NBA because I know you're well versed in everything from the BK Connect episode that we did, the one where you were the first one to call Kristaps Porzingis a unicorn. Uh, maybe Kevin Durant listened to that show and stole Everyone's your idea. Following, yeah. See, so. Um, I want to talk about the Knicks really quick, and it's it's in the same vein as Brooke Lopez and how I think the Nets should trade him, and, and and you know only if it's right, like you said, you can't get garbage back for him. You have to be smart about it, and you need a GM, which they don't have right now. But having said that, the Knicks do have a GM, pretty good one at that, and uh, but they don't have a coach. But they don't have a coach. But here's my thing, Carmelo. This is not me saying get rid of him. He's terrible. This is me saying. He could be a viable piece for a team like the Miami Heat where you can get something viable back for him. Correct me if I'm wrong. Shouldn't the Knicks – I mean, look, Kurt Rambis said he wants to get him in the playoffs. I, I, don't, I don't see it happening. And you have your building block. You have a seven-foot-three building block in Porzingis. Don't you think it would be in the Knicks' best interest to try to spin mellow for something? I, I do. I think that there, there are issues with trading Mello. Obviously, the big one is he has a no trade clause, which means if you're not trading Correct. him in Miami or Los Angeles, I mean, you're not going. He's not going to Milwaukee. You know what I mean? Like you have to find a piece that works for him and also a place that works for him. So, I, I, but I do agree. And this is one of the big things. Like you know, when I when I, I follow a lot of Knicks fans, and this is kind of their big bugaboo is whether or not you trade Carmelo Anthony. Because if you don't trade him, you're assuming that this is your window. And you have to find ways to compete within this window. And they are clearly not doing that right now. Um, there are a lot of intriguing kind of for him. One that I really liked that I don't think will ever happen, but uh, I think Zach Lowe put it out a couple weeks ago, was that you flip him to the Clippers for Blake Griffin. And that allows Melo to be kind of an ideal small ball four around DeAndre. And, and there's a lot of shooters around there. And then for the Knicks, you can put Chris Dapps at the five. Uh, rotate him with Robin and Blake, and then Blake still has the superstardom in New York City. Uh, I think that's a really, really cool idea, and I think that fits well for both teams. But I don't know if Melo waves his no trade clause. I don't know if Melo makes that happen. And See, but here, here that, that's a difficult thing for me. Here's my thing with with him, though. You're looking at at least unless you get a big name free agent in here like Durant to play with him, um, you're looking at at least two to three or four years before you're a quote-unquote championship contender. So how old is Melo going to be at that point, at the end of his contract? I mean, why would you hang on? I mean... He's already, what, 31? He's 32? already... Right. And so, I'm not, right, he's 31. Uh, he, he, I'm not poo-pooing him. You know, I, I love the guy. I love him on the team. But I think it's time, just for the Nets with Lopez or Thad Young, to see, you have to try to see what you can do. Yeah, I think you have to kind of search the market for him, right? Because you have a situation where um, you don't have your first rounder this year. So this is the same kind of situation with the Nets where if it doesn't happen by the deadline, you don't have anything to worry about. You can go in the offseason and 
try to create something then. And him for, um, and for himself too. I mean, wouldn't wouldn't you want to be on a contender, someone who's going after a title instead of waiting the next three or four years and it might not even materialize? Well, I mean, you know, that's a good question. I don't have the answer for you because it, it really comes down to what Carmelo values. You know, if he's fine being in New York and, you know, shooting 18, 19 times a game and sitting next to Kristaps Porzingis in the locker room, then I don't, you know, then, then he's not going to want to go. But I don't really know what drives him. Right. And if that means. That's a question for Melo, I yeah, guess. I'm sorry, yeah. Devin. <laughs> no, no, go ahead. And then what I'm saying is, like, when you have, like, a Miami could put together something intriguing as well if you want to get, you know, Drogic or Whiteside or something like that. Um, but, you know, it's, it's one of those things where there's, it's like the Nets. You have like five or six different things that have to go right to make a potential trade work. And those are always really difficult to put together. It, you know, you almost wonder, and again, we, we, we can't speak for Carmelo Anthony on what drives Carmelo Anthony because only Carmelo Anthony can say what drives Carmelo Anthony. He might say that whole thing in the third person as well at this point. But, you know, you know just thinking about that, that Clippers trade that you just mentioned that was that was kind of thrown out there. At what point do you look at it, and the same with Brooke Lopez after, you know, again, eight years, eight coaches, this and that in the NBA. At what point do you look at it and go, just go, you know what, at this point you're wasting the best years of this guy's career in a situation that's not working. Maybe Carmelo has a better chance to a championship in Los Angeles because he fits that team better than Griffin. And on the flip side, maybe Griffin makes the Knicks better because they have an inside presence. And in a slightly weaker, although not as weak as it has been, East, that's that's a you know, it's a better path to the championship for both guys, perhaps. Oh, absolutely. I really love the idea of Melo fitting in LA. I think that's a perfect fit for him because he's not gonna have to do a lot of the defensive responsibilities. He can shoot and create around Chris Paul, uh, who's obviously a good friend of his. Uh you've got already a really good team there. And Blake is obviously a phenomenal player, but in terms of fit, I think he'd fit really well next to guys like Chris Stapps and Robin Lopez. And that would be a really, really intriguing rotation for New York. And then you've got a guy who's just a little younger than Carmelo. You have a couple more years to play around with. See so you can get in the free agent market in a couple years in 2017, and you go from there. Uh, I saw your tweet about the Warriors' remaining schedule, too, and I want to bring Golden State into the fray here. Um, do you think... <laughs> Do you think anybody's going to beat this team? And I know the Spurs are basically right behind them in the West. Uh, they've beaten the Spurs by 30 already. It was at Golden State, and I know a San Antonio fan said, you know, they're not going to beat them in San Antonio. However, if uh, the Warriors get home court advantage... Um, San Antonio you know, hasn't lost in San Antonio I know this that. Year. Well, so, the Warriors I mean, haven't lost in Golden State. In Golden State. They, they haven't Oakland. really lost much of anywhere, let, to be fair. Let, let me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true, too. But... Devin, do you think this is just, you know, barring any injuries, knock on wood for that team, uh, is anyone going to get in their way and stop them? Well, I actually answered this question in the Japanese publication a couple weeks ago, so if you've been boning up on your Japanese... I you know cannot read Japanese, but I would be delighted if you could translate that for me. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. I th- so, uh, here's the thing about them, is that I think no one's going to beat Golden State. I think if anybody does, it'll be San Antonio. Let's put it that way. Because San Antonio plays such an opposite style to what they do. Like, they have no real counter if Duncan and LaMarcus Aldridge are, are both playing at the highest level possible. And LaMarcus has been incredible lately. So I think you're, if there's any team that can, it's them. And, and the thing about the Warriors is that they're the most creative team we've ever seen. And that also means they're prone to a lot of kind of strangely strangely bad mistakes. They make a lot of strangely careless turnovers and you know and that's when they're off and if any team can click them into being off i think it's the spurs that said 
I take the Warriors over anybody. All right, now there, now that you you just tortured the Japanese publication because you know how many characters they had to draw for that answer for crying out loud. That's first <laughs> you, you and know, foremost. <laughs> after, after I did the interview, he looked at me and said, "Oh, not so much transcript." <laughs> <laughs> True story. Oh <laughs> God! Guy. See, I'm right. But in the East, Devin, there's a lot of parody and. Anybody who's, you know, just anointing the Cavaliers right now as, in my eyes at least, as the Eastern Conference representative, uh, I don't know. Toronto's looking good right now, and they might be just one or two pieces away from being the Eastern and, and, Conference and representative. And Boston has been and quite Boston's a surprise, been too. as well. Right, and the thing about that is also you have to remember, the Cavaliers are, have a lot of guys susceptible to getting hurt. hurt. Kevin Love got hurt last night. You know, uh, Kyrie Irving's had injury problems. Iman Shumpert's had injury problems. And then you actually look at Boston, and, and you want to think about an intriguing Brook Lopez match. Boston's not that off. If Boston can't get Al Horford or DeMarcus Cousins, then the new Nets GM might, be not, it might not be a bad idea to call and say, look. You Give us like, our picks back. He could be like Sonny Weaver. <laughs> well, you talk about we <laughs> You don't pretend you can get this year's picks back. That's never going to happen in a billion years. But you call them and say, look, we'll take David Lee's expiring contract. We'll take our 2018 pick back and maybe a, a lesser, you know, something in 2020, a couple second rounders, whatever. You know, I think Boston's at a position where, you know, they, they have all the pieces in place. If any, you know, they have a great defense without a rim protector. Lopez is a rim protector and doesn't need to do anything that makes them good on defense already. I don't think it's the worst match. I'm just going to say that. Nobody got we, the draft day reference? We were, <laughs> we were, we were having a little fun. You know, you know we, were, we were sitting there in the first row, and we, Larry Fleischer, who works for Sports Exchange, a good uh-huh. friend of the program, he and I were having a little fun with the NBA trade machine on ESPN.com, and that was actually one of the ones we plugged in that worked, is the Nets uh, you know, could send Brooke Lopez to Boston. They have four or five guys signed in the front Guys. Court. Two or three of which get almost no to limited run mm-hmm. in that in that system, mm-hmm. and David Lee has close to the money to make the financials work at that point. You know, with the with the hundred and twenty five percent rule, depending yep. on how much time is left in the season when that deal is consummated. To, to steal a line from Superbad, I mean, that would be the Nets GM. That would be a pimp move right there. I mean, I'm not sure. I'm that. not sure how many bad New York teams David Lee could play on theoretically without going crazy, <laughs> but. You know, that's that's one of those that could work. But I have one last question for you going looking forward into the future, and it goes back to something we also saw last night. And, and you were standing right there next to me with everybody else when we were surrounding Mike Conley in the Grizzlies locker room. And Conley kind of laughed when he was asked about free agency and said, you know, Lionel being here would have been a good reason to look, but I'll give everybody the same opportunity in free agency. Now, he also said, I want to win, and that's where I'm, you know, looking towards a somewhere that's committed to winning. He's on one of the better teams in the NBA right now, and neither of the two teams here in New York are, I think combined they have as many wins as the Grizzlies, if, if not a few more. But is there still a realistic chance that either of these teams may get a guy like Conley if he decides that his star would shine brightest in New York? I don't think the Nets are going to get Conley. I just I think that that's one of those pipe dreams that was a pipe dream before they fired Lionel Hollins, and then after the fact, it's almost like he has an out. Like he's like, well, you know, it was going to happen. It could have happened, but no, I'm not. I'm not. New York is more intriguing again if they can make a like. Think about that that deal we were talking about earlier. If they get Blake Griffin and Chris Stapps, you know, that's whether or not you want to run the triangle or whatever you want to run in New York. That's intriguing for anybody. Um, granted, they might also not they might also not want to sign a guy in this free agency because uh, two years from now they have a lot more cap space and there's a guy named Russell Westbrook who's going to be available in the free agent market. 
So they might just want to hold off on point guard for a year or two and see what they can do a couple years down the road. Uh, I, so generally my thought is that the Knicks, the Nets are going to try to make a splash in this free agency because they have to. They don't have another choice. I think the Knicks can wait a year or two because they have Chris Dapps. they got a couple of rotation guys who are under 27 years old, and they've got time. Devin, uh, I, I kind of lost my train of thought. Where was I going? Wow, you were pointing at me, and then I lost my question, and I can't get it back. I don't know. Wow. Wow. You just, like, degaused my brain with your finger. 14 years takes a toll on you, man. <laughs> Well, then let, I'm showing my age, Devin. Then, then let me ask you this as we get ready to wrap this up so you can get on <laughs> Maybe your, I'll remember. You can get on your flight to a much warmer locale yes. than this one. Oh, it's well, going to be 60 degrees in Miami, man. What am I going to do? You might have to wear socks like you said last <laughs> night. <laughs> socks and sandals, Devin. They'll love it. Oh, I, I don't even know if I have to pack my bathing suit. What should I do? Oh, yeah. Decisions, decisions. Indoor, I'm sure indoor there's pool. an indoor pool. Yeah. Indoor pool. Yeah, yeah. L- let, me, let me just ask you this as, as we look towards February 19th and see you know, who's still going to be there once all, all the trade deadline falls. Point blank, one net gets traded. Who's it going to be? I think it's more likely a minor move. Like I think they clear up a, a roster spot. Um, you know, there's a couple of guys who aren't getting – you know, a lot of playing time right now who, you know, they might want to send elsewhere. If they free up a roster spot, they can use, you know, their Jarrett Jack trade exception or find a guy in a 10-day. I think the most likely thing is something like that happens where they trade, you know, Sergei Karasev to get a trade exception or they trade off, uh, you know, you know, Boyan Bogdanovich is a possibility. I don't really know how what his value is around the league right now. Um, but I think that most likely with, if they do something, it'll be one of those smaller moves. I remember what I was going to say now. Go ahead. I just Australia'd myself. The boomerang came back and hit me in the back of the head. Um, <laughs> but no, I, talking about Conley, uh, I saw a, a, a quote from one of the Grizzlies beat writers, you know, because somebody asked him about, you know, Gasol's injury and what's going to happen. He goes, We're not flushing the season down the toilet, man. We're going to come out and make a statement. And I said it in the pregame show, and I was like, All right, let's see what they do against the Nets tonight. And they went out and they basically manhandled them after the. First quarter, they outscored them 67 to 36 over the second and third. So, Conley, you know, he's a guy you want on your team. Yeah, 29 minutes, 7 to sure. 13 shooting, 3 of 4 beyond the arc, 3 of 3 from the line, 4 boards, 5 assists, guy. 17 really points. Is. Guy who talks the talk and then comes out and walks the walk. Why wouldn't you want him on your team? But anyway, Devin, uh, he, he, does, he has the BrooklynGame.com. Uh, go get educated if you're a Nets fan. Uh, the Keep Trade Walk and the How Valuable is Brooke Lopez, it's great reading. Uh, and Devin always puts his spin of comedy into it, which is why I love reading him so much. You know, it's not just the nuts and bolts of basketball. He throws in a couple of references in there from movies or whatever, what have you. And it's, it's an interesting and fun read all the time. And Devin, we appreciate your time coming out when we know you have to travel and go have fun and be in 60 degree Miami while we're up here and it's going to be negative five. So hey, my, my heart, you guys. my heart bleeds for you. Fun. You have nothing to worry about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks buddy. Enjoy your time down there do, man. in Thanks. Miami. Always good to have talk to you guys. All right. We're trading Devin to Miami. For the time being. <laughs> All right, buddy. Take care. Take care, Devin. There he goes, Devin Carperian of the BrooklynGame.com. Uh, yeah, that was, that was very productive. Really not much more we can add to that. We can, we no. can say this. I mean, NBA All-Star Weekend is here now. Uh, Boyan Bogdanovich is in the Rising Stars game. And that's really all I got. I mean, the dunk contest is the dunk contest. 
I might watch a little bit of it. Yes, he'll be playing. Shootout, so. He'll be playing with Kristaps Porzingis. He will that's on the t- world. Team. That's going to be a good world team. Yeah, yeah. It's not even a. It's not even a freshman sophomore, right? It's the rising stars. No, it's stars. like the first. It's now f- and it's world against the United yeah, States. Yeah, it's now. I think three years or less in the league is oh, yeah. the uh, is the threshold for that. Yeah, I, there's there's nothing we can do to outshine Devin. There never mm-hmm. is. He's extremely good at what he does. You should go to his website and read, read it. his stuff. So yeah, so we uh, so we'll be quasi off the beginning of next week. We'll quasi evil. We'll be both on assignment slash holiday. So we're gonna pre-tape a little goodness immediately after this podcast to. Uh, to tide you over. There's really nothing going on other than... <laughs> I'm hip. I'm with it. Other than NBA All-Star Week and I, the Daytona 500 is this weekend. That's, that's really it. Baseball now, we're in the the calm before the storm. And we have Joe Girardi's press conference on Yes next Thursday. And we'll be back right after that for our first 11 blowout o'clock. preview. Yeah, 11 o'clock. Uh, yeah. I'll be hosting that on the Yes Network. I'll be throwing to it, and I'll be saying goodbye from it, and I'll be in studio. I won't be in Tampa. So be sure to tune in at 11 o'clock on Thursday, February 18th, for Joe Girardi's welcoming press conference. It feels like just yesterday. Seven days away, man. I was hosting Joe Girardi's exit press conference after the loss to the Astros. And here we are, seven days away. And here we are. The uh, big blue ball that is uh, round, by the way, B.O.B., keeps spinning along. Orbit is round. Uh, the Earth is not a magic carpet, you moron. That seems like a good place to wrap up this edition <laughs> of the Christian Show, does it not? It does. It's Plus, amazing. you know, we got to get on the tape the next one before you got to go do your, your actual yes. job. So. Yes, it's it's one eleven. so I have third, not, no, 49 minutes. I was never good at math. No, clearly. All right. Thanks, Super Lou. Duper. All right. <laughs> That's at Lou DePietro. Yes, I'm Chris Sheeran. Yes, and we'll see you next time on YesNetwork.com and the iTunes Podcast Network. See you.